You are listening to the Physio Accelerator Podcast with Trish Wisby-Roth. So following on from uh, last week's theme of ethical private practice and developing the whole framework around how to be a great private practice physio, I wanted to touch on today really the concept of shared decision-making with the patient and how this takes out a lot of the pain and angst of charging for your private practice skills. If you focus on the patient and have the discussion with the patient about what they really want from your skills or what they really want from their body or what their goals are and you discuss that really in upfront realistic terms with um, how they are as far as um, their work environment, their home environment and even their financial environment. If you bring all of those things into a, a shared decision making about their rehab strategy, people, if they feel that they have um, a say and control in what's happening to their body and also the plan moving forward, when they commit to that program, if they've been involved with that decision-making, how much the program costs, you will have really already discussed that and, and if money is an issue or if money is not an issue. And I think one of the things with physios, and it's certainly certainly been a big issue for me, is that we're used to giving advice and giving help and and helping sports teams for free. It comes really easily to physios to give away a lot of our expertise and our health and our um, our energy just because we're giving people. So, you know, when you come from a base of you give it away for free, often we don't value what we give as much as other people do. And so it's important for you as a private practice physio to not project your assumptions of how much they value your skill and your knowledge and your involvement in getting them back to the life they want. Um, Don't project that onto the patient because they will see a different value. You may be the most valuable thing in their life at this point in time if it means you can they can get back to work. So by having that shared decision-making and involving the patient's goals and also in that shared decision-making for you expressing what your goals are for the patient. So let me give you an example of a recreational cyclist. So I travelled with um, Olympic and elite cyclists for many years and all through that period having, you know, a detailed biomechanical assessment, 
assessment of a cyclist on the bike was done really in a biomechanical lab with with Vicon and and we do the 3D digitising and look at all the results and sit with the team and work out what we had to do to optimise that cyclist's positioning on the bike and performance and then we would design the exercises. So that was something that happened in an elite setting, never for the recreational cyclist. And so when we started doing cycling assessments in our clinic, which now I know many physios are now doing, which is wonderful to see because we started at the first really in Australia and through the courses we ran with cycling um, and assessment, which we still run, you know, it's really taken that knowledge out to be now available Australia-wide and worldwide, which is wonderful to see. And just on a buy, you know, if you're interested in any cycling information, touch base with us at the Physio Accelerator. And we also have some cycle bites through the APA website that goes through some key cycling things. But back to back to our our topic of of a recreational cyclist who comes in. And so let's say they have low back pain and some right-sided knee pain. So how do we decide how much rehab to give this cyclist and how much, excuse me, (coughs) sorry, and how much they're willing to pay for that rehab? Because truly you you can spend a lot of time and energy on cycling assessments, looking at um, videoing, doing stills, doing angles, which we do. Um, We can use EMG to look at recruitment strategies, left versus right, detailed progressed physiotrack exercise programs, along with really targeted differential diagnosis in the early stages of what's going on, targeted hands-on, really specific targeted pacing program for their for their training, giving them a really good flare-up strategy, looking at their cycle routes and how to start with easier easier routes and then progress them up into what are called more E2 efforts, which are more advanced, and then maximal efforts, which are E3. So you could do all of those things. But it comes down to having the talk with the patient themselves. So I'll sit down and say, okay, let's call him James. James, you're cycling at the moment 100K a week and you've started in lockdown and you've just taken a friend's bike. Now you're getting low back and knee pain. How important is cycling to you? You know, are are you happy to get on top of your low, low back and knee pain and not cycle? Would you be happy to give away cycling? Or do you have a great passion for cycling? That's what you want to do as your sport. So if they say, I'm sick of the bike and I just want to get on top of my back and knee pain and give me some other exercise that we can do, then you can say, okay, well, let's 
work on the initial issues and then let's work on a rehab strategy away from the bike. And in that discussion, you can say, look, we, you can have short-term goals. These would be our short-term goals, our medium-term goal, goals and our long-term goals. Where do you want to get to? And in the long-term goals, it's all about do they just want to get back to being without pain and walking around the park? If that's their aim, then you can really, you know, and they're limited financially if they're not working. Okay, what's the minimum hands-on? What's the minimum in the PhysiTrack exercise program? Let's give you a flare-up strategy and a pacing program. And then you can set it up and with the minimum number of sessions, get them off understanding pacing, knowing their flare-up strategies. You know, it may be four to five sessions and they're, and they're off and away. The next scenario may be, look, I actually really like cycling. I didn't know that I did. And I want to get up to what my friends are doing, which is 400k a week. Um, but I can't do that with my current pain. And so with that scenario, you can say, look, with those goals in mind, you want to get to 400 kilometres. Okay, we need to look at, assess your low back and your knee and individually see what's happening there, musculoskeletally, with some targeted hands-on and really specific exercises. But if you want to use cycling as your sport and you want to stay healthy doing it and you also want to increase the volume we really need to look at your bike and optimize the angles and we have to optimize your strength and function of your body so it it works well with the bike and that includes looking at your pedal action looking at how high the seat is looking if the bike is the right the right dimensions for you and if you want to get up to doing 400k, we will need to do a load management program and we will need a three-phase PhysiTrack exercise program that really builds up your functional strength, your functional mobility, your endurance and your cardiovascular ability in the cycling position to get there effectively. So if that's really where you want to go, we're looking at a 12-week program and idea. What, what we need to do is do a bike assessment. So we need to look at you on the bike, we need to video you, look at the right exercises and so then someone, he says, okay, well, <clears throat> that all sounds great. I, I really want to do that. And I'll say, then I'll say, okay, well, there's two ways we can do it. We can do it piecemeal fi to work financially for you. So you come in for once a week and we piecemeal look at bits of the puzzle or we have a comprehensive cycling biomechanical assessment where we look at you, your body and all the factors that go into cycling and design what hands-on and exercises are needed. And then we have a comprehensive video analysis of you on the bike with digitised um, photos, and then we make the adjustments to the bike. So we can do this piecemeal over sessions, over 12 weeks, 
or depending, you can have that comprehensively and we do it over two and a half hours. You get a 12-page digitised with digitised photos and reports and all the exercises and that will cost you $550. But it's all done comprehensively and then really the rest of it will be just fine-tuning the hands-on and the exercises. So instead of you having to convince them that they want a cycling assessment for $550, they may come to the conclusion, and many will say to me, I'd rather just pay the money up front, get all the answers, and then we can decide, we can work forward on the exercise strategy. And I haven't made that decision, the financial decision for them. They make the decision. Whereas we, I will have patients who'll say, look, I'd love to do a cycling assessment, but I've looked into it and I can't afford $550 up front. So could we just have a physio session a week and we just um, tick off pieces of that? over that period of time, along with when it's needed some hands-on. And that works just as well. But what it means is it's a shared decision-making process. It's really important as physios that we don't make the decision for the patient what they see is valuable enough to pay for. I think that's really important because we often undervalue what we do and it's hard to be objective about the value of our service. So when I know I've talked about it a lot before, but I keep coming back to, you know, if you're going to be an ethical physio in private practice, how does being ethical and running a profitable and successful physio business work? I think the, the glue that holds those two together is shared decision-making and really focusing on the goals of the patient. And then it's up to the patient to be able to decide financially what they're happy to pay for and what they can pay for and what they can't pay for. Do you know, I do have patients who come to me and say, I've, I've got this problem, but at the moment I'm unemployed and I don't have private health insurance. So I'm happy to pay for the initial assessment, but I don't know how many times I can come. And that's when you can have a discussion with them. If it's a chronic condition, you can talk to your GP about an EPC for five sessions, but just know that with those five sessions, our aim will not be a lot of passive treatment. A lot of it will be giving you the tools to deal with understanding your own condition and 
um, giving you the exercises and the pacing programs and the flare-up strategies so that you develop your own skills during those five sessions to deal as best as you can with with your condition and where you need to go with it. And then know that if it is a chronic condition, five sessions will start you on the path and, and give you the tools that if you embrace them can work well, but know that we're here and when your situation changes, we're here to give you more input and help as it's needed. So I think if you, instead of focusing on um, how do I feel right about charging for my private practice skills, look more at let's talk about the goals of the individual the short, medium, long-term goals. Because the reality is if someone has long-term goals and they want you to be involved in those long-term goals, then if you, pre- if, you, if you point out what the stages are and they have, in our shared decision-making, they have control of, well, the first four weeks is short-term, what we're going to do, mid-term, long-term. They, they may actually say to you, look, can we just work on the short-term goals for the next four weeks? I can commit to that. And then we see how we go. And I think that is very justified too. A lot of people come to see us because they're in pain and they just can't cope anymore with not being able to do many of the things, including sleeping or sitting or family family activities or even simple activities of daily living. So often those first four weeks are pivotal for them to build confidence in your skills and what you can achieve. And I would have to say in my many years of clinical practice, if you involve them in the decision-making and really keep bringing it back to their goals and how, how that fits into their life and try to be adaptable with physio sessions, be they um, face-to-face sessions, You know, we now can add in some telehealth sessions. There's a lot of apps where they can monitor their own exercises, their own cardiovascular, their own pacing. So depending on your discussions, it really allows for this unique uh, biopsychosocial approach for each individual. And I think that that is incredibly important. And really, it's quite um, empowering, not only for the patient, but also it's empowering for you as a physiotherapist. Never before have we had so many tools that we can use to optimise people's health, you know, from... from um, as I've talked about a lot of the lifestyle apps, but also for physios, never before has knowledge been more accessible to the extent that really now it can be quite overwhelming. 
And it's one of the reasons why um, while I run face-to-face courses, two-day intense courses with the APA, and I love them and they're really valuable, during this time of COVID and also financially, sometimes it can be really hard to commit to two full days. So now with the Physio Accelerator program, we have from the really paired back onboarding series, which is about an hour and a half for each of the lumbar spine, pelvis, cervical, thoracic and hip, which is really the minimum you need for a really fantastic scaffolding to build your skills to our private practice mastery program where we delve in deep and we're starting uh, the lumbar spine and SIJ fairly soon if you're interested. And what that is is um, pre-recorded specific content and recorded webinars combined with in uh, live dynamic two-hour Q&A where we can bring it all together, talk about it in a case study, answer any of the questions, really fine-tune so that any pieces of the puzzle you're missing um, can be patched up. I often find when I'm teaching, when people get lost or they're not understanding something, if I get them to talk it through and ask the things that they're not understanding, it's often just 2% of the puzzle. And if you're just given that last piece of the puzzle, it slots in and then all of a sudden it makes sense. And really building up your confidence as a private practice physio goes a long way for you also to be confident in charging for your services. I remember in my early days, it was very intimidating when, and hopefully not many of you have to deal with this these days, but 15-minute treatment sessions and to think, you know, can I do enough in 15 minutes to, to change their pain and and justify them paying? And knowing that you had to, while they're undressing, ask the right questions so that you could do the right thing in roughly your seven to eight minutes that you had to do some hands-on and then maybe one exercise before they're getting dressed again. It was incredible pressure and it's why, it, you know, in our clinic, we have one-hour initials. And for complex patients, we do sometimes have one-hour sessions if they're coming a long way or half hour. Because I want to feel that when the person walks out, they feel like they've got real value for money. And I think supporting you at the to be a really confident physio who has a good scaffold of differential diagnosis um, key treatment strategies and progressed exercise and psychosocial. If we can at the Physio Accelerator give you those those tools so that when you walk out into the waiting room and there's someone there with low back pain or with lateral hip pain or referred pain into the arm, you've got a scaffold that says, okay, I know 
the, the key questions asked. I know the key techniques uh, uh, test to differentially diagnose, and that will then send me on a path to what is the right biopsychosocial interventions for this individual combining hands-on exercise um, and psychosocial strategies. If you can build up your confidence to do that, then charging for those skills will be easier for you because you won't feel like you're a fake. And I think a lot of new grads in or in the first five years in private practice, I think that's what they struggle with. They have really high ideals. They really want to help people, but they constantly feel like they're faking being that confident private practice physio because behind it, they're often thinking, oh, what should I be doing? You know, Googling this, Googling that without having a strong scaffold that they can fall back on. And if they lose their way, they fall back on that strong scaffold. And I think building up your scaffold of the patients that you see in private practice so you're really confident at seeing them makes it easier to cope with the thought that people are paying for your services and let go of that idea of you judging how much the patient is willing to pay for your services because you very often have the lowest price on your services because you actually often give it away to friends and family for free. So people value you and your patients value, financially value what you can offer to their life a lot more than often you do, particularly in those first five years. If someone comes to you and they can get back to sleeping through the night without waking with pain or being able to, you know, go for a walk around the park with their kids, being able to sit at the dinner table and get through a meal without having extreme pain. What's the monetary value to that patient for those things? It's hard for you to put a price on them, but for those people, that's worth a lot because that's them getting their life back. It's getting control back. It's getting confidence back and it's getting optimism back. And you shouldn't try to put a price on that. You should allow the patient to be able to see individually how much they value your your skills. And I bet you that they value your skills quite highly. It's We've just been having World Physio Day at our practice and it was such a wonderful thing that we just had patients um, saying comments about how their, their interaction with their physio at our practice had changed their, their outlook on life, changed their experience in COVID, changed change their world and don't underestimate how much as a private practice physio you influence your community, everyone you come in contact with 
don't undervalue that. And if you do feel that you're you're a bit of a fake in private practice, reach out. Reach out to us here at the physioaccelerator.com. But also there's other people out there. There's a network. So start looking and building the network that will support you as a physio because we need you to stay in the profession. We need you to thrive in the in the profession and um, we're here to support you. Okay, until next time, best wishes. Thank you for listening to the Physio Accelerator podcast. If you'd like to find out more about what we do, head to thephysioaccelerator.com. While you're there, don't forget to sign up for our email list for more great insights from Trish and information about our upcoming courses. Before you go, if you think of a friend or a colleague who would benefit from listening to this podcast, make sure you send it their way. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.